Hello and welcome to A Voice of Progression. I'm your host, David Cox. Join me each episode as I dive deep into a range of topics from spirituality, religion, love, relationships, current affairs, and much, much more. Come, let's contemplate, discover, and rediscover. Play, imagine, and reimagine our thoughts. Let's break free from the restricted fundamental thought patterns of this world. Let's expand expand our awareness of the infinite and breathe forth a new way of thinking. Life is forever changing. Let's be transformed by the renewing of our minds. I personally like to thank each of you, my listeners, for following and subscribing to this podcast. It is my desire to provide you with informative, provocative, and quality content to contemplate. I do not by any means wish to convince you to think as I do, but to awaken you to the ideal of thinking and to come to a place of self-awareness. 3 John 1 and 2 Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in good health, even as thy soul prospereth, meaning your body soul and mind being well in your mind body and soul today we will tackle and launch into a rather controversial topic based on race relationship and marriage 10 years ago a man by the name of ralph richard banks wrote a book entitled is marriage only for white people mr banks is a law professor at stanford His book, entitled Is Marriage Only for White People, was a very hot topic back then, and to me is still relative to the times that we are living in now. When we return from this short break, we'll begin this segment with a YouTube interview with CNN news commentator Mr. T.J. Holmes and Mr. Ralph Richard Banks, entitled Not Enough Black Men for Marriage. More black women, right, graduating from college, two to one to black men. You throw in incarceration rates, you throw in uh, the unemployment rates, and you're saying there's just not enough black men. Well, there, there, are, there are not enough black men for all of the college-educated black women in particular that have the type of husbands that they want to have. The type that they want to have. Now, I, I put this out, we had this conversation uh, yesterday, and a lot of people were chiming in, and I decided to ask for questions from viewers. And one of the questions, simply put, is... Do black women deserve better than what black men have to offer? That seems like a a very heavy uh, uh, question there, but is that essentially what it is? Do we not measure up to the quality of black women right now? That's really a great way to put it. And I will admit that I usually think about it from the other perspective, which is that should, is it fair to ask black women to sacrifice their own happiness on the altar, as it were, of black men's struggles? What? Okay, I think not. What is that? Uh, I think not. Okay, what's that sacrifice I, I have, necessarily when we're talking about, and I asked you this question yesterday, is it always marrying down if the person you're marrying doesn't make as much money or have the same level of education? Could be a good guy. Yeah, it could be a good guy, and, and lots of relationships work across classes, that's true. Uh, but it's also the case that for everyone, not simply for the women, but for the men as well, 
having a, a spouse who is matched to you educationally in terms of your outlook, your aspirations, your experiences, that's a positive thing. So it's actually not a great thing for the wife or the husband if they're in a mismatched relationship. All right, and we know a lot of conversations were started yesterday because of this topic, and I had one of these conversations at my house with Mrs. Holmes, and one of these uh, things that keeps coming up is how do you, and the word I think my wife used, was reprogram, if you will, black women, because you're suggesting they need to be open to dating outside of their race. But, you know, a lot of black women just like brothers. They like the black man. Right. So right. if you're just not right. attracted naturally, why, why have them give up on finding a black man? Right, that's, that's a great question. Uh, and the issue, the way I think of that is, is that women have been asked to carry a great load. Uh, black women shoulder a lot of the burden, in short, of black men's struggles. And I am asking women to put the burden down. Uh, many women think that they're attracted to black men. They are attracted to black men. But attraction itself is complicated. And one of the things that I discovered in the course of writing this book is that there's a whole host of fears and desires and anxieties that animate black women's attraction to black men. Okay, and on that, though, I got another question from a viewer. Judy uh, sent in and said, well, it sounds like you're saying, why should black women give up the good fight? You know, you're not trying to, you're not telling them to take on a, a project of fixing a man necessarily, but why just give up on black men? Right, you, you, that is another great question. I, I actually am asking black women to give up the good fight because give the, up fight the good has fight has been successful. The, the, the fight has not been successful. This is what a, a friend of mine, Carolyn Edgar, calls the Negro Improvement Project, uh, which is what a lot of black women undertake. And often the results are not so great. So the, the, the strategy has been counterproductive. Uh, it doesn't help African-Americans for us to have black men and black women locked in bad relationships and raising children in households where the parents quarrel and ultimately divorce. Well, That's not a win for anyone. It is law professor Ralph Richard Banks. The book is called Is Marriage for White People? I think it went on sale on the second this week and it has started a conversation that I'm sure will continue. A lot of people don't know this, but the best way to make... So one evening I was sitting on my couch in my living room watching YouTube and the video that you heard was on my playlist. As I listened to the dialogue between two black men on the subject of not enough black men for marriage, I became more curious about relationships within the African American community. I think the most alarming thing for me when I was listening to the professor uh, and what he said, and I'm paraphrasing, he says, give up the good fight for the black man, that the women should give up the good fight for the black man, that the black women should give up the black man improvement project. As I thought about that, I said to myself, who is driving this narrative that there is something wrong with the black man? How can we better understand who we are as black people and people in general? Let me first say that I celebrate all types of relationships, interracial and all. However, the title of this book challenged me to ask questions and I wanted to dig a little deeper and find my answers and perhaps help you to think about your thoughts regarding the topic. What is the history of marriage? How can I better understand how history 
has impacted our views on relationships? How can I learn and awaken to a new thought regarding relationships and marriage? Ralph Richard Banks stated that the purpose for writing this book was to answer the following questions. Why have African Americans become the most unmarried people in the nation, most unlikely to get married, and the most likely to divorce? He says one cause is because black women are moving ahead while black men have fallen behind. Black females are graduating from college at the rate of two to one, while more and more black men are being incarcerated and unemployed. Women are advancing in their careers and um, while black men have been stagnant, simply there are not enough black men for marriage. Mr. Banks states that, that this poses a social problem which leads to personal predicament for women, for black women. We have encouraged black women to stand by the black man, he says, to lift his decline make him part of their success. He says black women by large have followed that approach. Black women are least likely of any group to marry outside the race. Hence is black marriage only for white people. He states that this is rather a noble, rather noble, but ineffective and non-productive. He goes on to suggest that black women need to expand their options and consider relationships outside their race. So I started asking these questions. Is it a noble thing or is it something else? Why do black women stand by the black man in spite of his quote unquote shortfalls? And number two, which I won't deal with today, but on the next podcast, is what is it about commitment that makes us not want to commit and marry? I think the best answer that I found on the internet was given by April Parker Jones on a own YouTube entitled Black Women Discuss Inter- Inter- Interracial Dating. Actress April Parker Jones is an American television actress best known for her role as Darcy Hawkins in the CBS drama series Jericho from 2006 to 2008. She is also known as Natalie Henning on the Oprah Winfrey Network primetime soap opera in Loving You Is Wrong from 2014 to 2020. And I want to stop and pause and say that um, the information that I'm going to be using today, I am going to put these links in the actual description of this podcast. So to help you be able to follow my logic and maybe my thinking and maybe jargon some questions for you that you might have to help you to come to the awareness of where you are on this particular topic. She says... Natalie, I'm sorry, April Parker Jones says, I feel that when I think about the trauma that the black man has gone through, along with the trauma that black women have gone through, we are able to heal each other because we know each other's pain. We know our ancestors' pain. 
Black men need a black woman and black women need a black man to help us be better. Because we know each other, she says. We know the wounds that never were treated. April's response really resonated with me. She talks about the trauma that we as African-Americans have gone through, which is my very reason why I think that this is a problem in itself. Just for a moment, let's put out some history about marriage in America as it pertains to the African-American slave. The following history was provided by Dig Podcast and their commentary. I will also provide this link in the description. First American understanding of marriage was based on the British model. European political theorizing had long held that monogamy benefited the social order. Marriage harnessed sexual desire. It supplied a support system for the care of the children and the dependent, and it provided a means of, for wealth management. European ideology rested on the Christian understanding of family and social order, and thus monogamy. In 1662, slavery was defined through a matrilineal line, meaning that the status of slaves followed the status of the mother, not of the father. This allowed white men to rape African-American women without repercussion and heightened the need to restrict white women's sexuality. Mixed-race children born to black women became slaves and because colonists did not want mixed-race children born to white women to be free, there was even more impetuous to restrict access to sex with white women. In the 19th century, states had the power to say who could marry and, and to whom. This meant that Southern states with slavery forbade enslaved people from legally marrying one another. Because if a black man was owned by a white man and the black man were to legally marry a woman, it would cause social upheaval because then who owns the body and the labor of the woman the black man married? Would it be the white master of the black man or the black man over his wife? Slave marriages had neither legal standing nor protection from the abuse and restrictions imposed on them by slave owners. Slave husbands and wives without legal resources could be separated or sold at the master's will. Couples who reside on different plantations were allowed to visit only with the consent of their owners. Slaves often married without the benefit of the clergy or official sanction. The, ju thus, the jumping over the broom, which is a ritual of laying a broom on the ground to symbolize hearth and home, and then jumping over it. This is a practice that has been traced to Celtic traditions, but in the American setting, it thoroughly established within the African-American marriage ritual. In an article entitled Slavery and Making of America, Men, Women, and Gender, 
Jennifer Hallman, the author, states, A master control over both spouse reduced the black male potential for dominance over his wife. Married slaves whose union was not legally recognized held no joint property in common. What is more, labor segregation by sex and the frequency from which male slaves were sold meant women were not only left to raise their children alone, but also to rely on female friends and relations above husbands. For the slave women faced with the double honest of being black and female and the added burden of dependent children, womanhood and personhood were easier gained within the slave community. For enslaved men, escape to freedom was the most promising avenue for preserving masculine identity and individual humanity. After the Civil War, newly free enslaved people flocked the Freedmen's Bureau and the official agencies in order to attain legal marriages. A legal marriage certificate was more than just a document legally securing a marriage. It was a symbol of freedom. The right to get married brought honor and legitimacy to marriage. But the freedom to marry was not automatically extended to formerly enslaved people. For example, Texas did not allow freedom or freedmen and women to marry until 1869. While the laws have changed over the years regarding marriage and slavery, the system that was created regarding these two subjects have not. We are still dealing with systematic racism in this country. Many black men and people in general are still faced with trying to identify their place in society. We are challenged to comprehend and juggle what is our divinity, our divine right, to a system that is restricted in nature, marriage. John Henry Falk, a white man, says it best when he tells us a story of his understanding on the subject of rights and freedom. Take a listen to this YouTube clip entitled, Ex-Slaves Talks about slavery. He was a graduate student when he interviewed the former slaves, including the two women you hear in this broadcast. Himself interviewed just before he died in 1979, Falk was going on about how he believed in giving blacks the right to go to school, giving them the right to vote, giving them the right to go into anything they qualified for. And then he said, he experienced an epiphany. Yeah, sitting out on a wagon tongue with this old black man. And just telling him what a different kind of white man I was. I remember him looking at me very sadly and kind of sweetly and condescending and said, you know, you still got the disease, honey. I know you think you're cured, but you're not cured. You can't give me the right to be a human being. I'm born with that right. Now you can keep me from having that. If you've got all the policemen and all the jobs on your side, you can deprive me of it. But you can't give it to me. And I was born with it just like you was. 
My God, it had a profound effect on me. I'm furious with it. But the more I reflected on it, the more profoundly it affected me. I realized this was where it really was. This is really where it was. Yes, we are free from human slavery. But are we free in our minds to experience the infinite possibilities when it comes to our relationships as whole? And let me back up because what he was saying, you can't give me freedom and rights. I already had it, but you can restrict it from me. Moving on. Maybe having access to the internet and information highway has exposed the truth about marriage. Maybe our young people are becoming more aware of all of this that is that is that is true about our history, about our marriage in history when it relates to slavery. Perhaps we are now dealing with the struggle of what we believe to be true versus what we know to be true. Dr. Acer Hilliard III said it best, mental slavery is worse than physical slavery because a mental slave believes that he or she is free and they never realize that the shackles are in your mind.